0: Hey y'all! Welcome to another episode of Adventures. Net. I'm your host Caleb Wells, and with me today is my co-host Wyland. Hey Why. Hey Caleb, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, it's all good. Good. <laughs> you know, it's it's unusual for me to to open the show, right? It's I know.
1: Sean's away, so yeah, you have to take <laughs> the um the realms.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, uh, I think I think you and I will be able to to manage without him and we'll hopefully we'll see him next week we'll
1: be right we've got a good guest today yeah. so
0: yeah we do yeah <laughs> our guest today is uh morgan kenyon morgan thanks for joining us yeah thank you glad to be here good good so uh, why don't we start with you telling us um, a little bit about yourself and how you got into that well development in general and we'll, we'll go from there
2: yeah so just a little bit of my history uh, i like never programmed before i got to college and had a brother-in-law who did programming, and I was kind of like, I don't really know what to choose career-wise. I was pretty good at like math and science, so I'm like, hey, can you like show me some programming stuff? So we downloaded Java on my machine and gave me a book, started taking some classes, and ended up liking it, graduating it, and now I've worked professionally in programming for the last five-ish years, six years. I guess the last four of those being in the C-sharp stack, and currently I work at a paper A company called Paycom. Uh, We do HR human capital management software. So basically, from hiring to retiring, try to solve all of your business HR needs. And I work on the team that does handles notifications. So if you receive any communication via email, text, call from Paycom, and it's automated, it will generally be through software that I wrote or helped write. Good place to say, these are my opinions not paycom sponsored opinions but I have to throw that in there yeah and i currently live in dfw have a wife two great kids third one on the way in october so life uh, is hectic
0: around here congratulations yeah <laughs> ah, thank you life is always hectic with young kids right mm. but that's part of the fun yeah
2: we'll have three under four for about a month and so okay. oh, god yeah young kids
1: I think they say that life really changes. I mean, life changes when you have kids, but I think the third one—that's there's this big change because that's when you need to start thinking about upgrading your car and stuff. Especially with four, they're
2: all going to need child seats, right? So, but they're, yeah, we, they're all being under four. So Yeah, we spent some money on a van, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Running out of space in our house, so yeah. <laughs> it's obviously, lots of money
0: a, I'm the oldest of four boys, so I understand a big house. And my wife and I decided one was enough for us. <laughs> so he's yeah. five and he's uh he's a handful. He keeps us busy. Yes. Yeah. So Morgan, right, you came into programming kind of a, a little different path. I mean, we all have our own paths, right? I'm I am self-taught or on the job, trained. I'm not I don't have a degree in computer science. What what really interests you most about programming? or um, languages like C Sharp or Java?
2: So yeah, programming in general, I really love like the do-it-yourself aspect to it. Like most programming languages, you can kind of get started pretty simply, usually free and, you know, just Google something. And if you Google enough things, you'll probably solve your problem and just keep going from there. And if you still can't solve it, you can ask a question on Stack Overflow or whatever. That was really Easy for me to transition into programming because I also like robotics, but like I only had a hundred dollars as a college student, and so like, I couldn't buy any no money for parts. <laughs> yeah, but programming is like it's simple, it's easy, like it doesn't cost money. Yeah, for me, like I went to a school where we did Java primarily, so I got a Java job right out of college. Yeah, but through one of I guess my first job change, started doing C Sharp a lot more, and I really enjoyed just the just some of the differences that make C Sharp unique and it's been a while since I've been in Java land, so I can't really see what it is now, but like, there were definitely some major differences. I'm like, I, this is, I really enjoy this every day. I use this every day, and I don't really want to give this up if I had to go back. So yeah, I usually sharp pretty much every day. I love it. I think it's what's, I haven't done
1: that much Java. I've done a little bit for like, yeah, like you at university, and um, also done some Android programming here and there. I think what... So I don't, I, I can't speak of any of that that much authority at all. But um, I think my, my, what what I've noticed that was most different was the tool set. like the the Microsoft tool set is just like Visual Studio, is basically the best IDE you're ever gonna use, basically. Whereas I remember when I was at, when I was using Java at the start, I was using like Eclipse and stuff. It was just, mm-hmm. and I think IntelliJ is a little bit better, but it was just it's just so terrible like, compared to Visual Studio.
0: You know, I think. Really, the the ecosystem that Microsoft has created Mm. around .NET C Sharp is one of its, one of their biggest strengths, right? Because like Morgan said, uh, these days, it's more accessible than ever, right? Everything you need is free. There's tons Mm -hmm. of information out there. There's Stack Overflow, which um, for some reason, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I remember reading the coding Horror blog when he was talking about creating Stack Overflow and trying to figure out. I remember that, yeah. was Jeff. I remember that, right? Shows you how long, <laughs> long we've been been tinkering with this. But stuff like Stack Overflow, right? Uh definitely if you're the inquisitive type, you can you can figure things out. And if you have mentors or people to to help you through, uh it's C sharp and net is a is a great um, environment and ecosystem to come into.
2: Yeah, I mean, they obviously spend a lot of money and want to make it very seamless, and they do. Sometimes I wish some of... I, I dabble in F-sharp a little bit, so sometimes I wish I got a little more attention. But it's definitely like, yeah, very seamless, very easy. Everything's very integrated. They have a large number of docs. And so it's definitely a great professional language to use like day in, day out, like it gets the job done and it
0: runs well. Do you find yourself doing functional programming in C sharp? Because I know they've they brought a lot of the stuff that worked out really well in F sharp or some of the nice features. They pulled it into C sharp.
2: Yeah, they definitely have been incorporating some of those. I, f- I find C sharp functional wise not super easy or intuitive. And I never like programmed F sharp for like six months at a time. So I'm like, oh, now I can think everything functionally. I'm still pretty intro in that. But yeah, there's definitely some things I like about f that are not supported in like C-Sharp. Like option types are really like, like union types are really like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And gotcha. we'll, we'll talk a little about that at some point maybe if we get to that. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think c has trended that direction. And I think if you talk to like a functional language purist, they'd probably not like what <laughs> C-Sharp has done. But
0: yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with functional programming myself. I mean, I've with it because it's its really, it's a different way of thinking, right? Or a different way of approaching the problems. Yeah, and um, it's
2: like, if we lived in a world where I could like snap my finger and everything becomes functional, I feel like I would do that because it would just make everything a better experience. But hmm. I live in the reality of most people things are object-oriented and right. C-Sharp does a very good job and has improved on that, I feel like,
0: well. so. Something that you've brought up before we started the podcast, it's compile-driven development. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell tell us what that is and why you're interested in it?
2: Yeah. Um, so I've really just explored and been interested in the idea of, like, how a compiler can help you like, as a programmer. Um, so I'll start with a little, little analogy. So we've all probably written some JavaScript uh, on our own. And you, know, you save a JS, file, a .js file and you're about to load it in your browser. And like, can you like make any like assumptions or guarantees about like what that file would do like when you load it in your browser? And like, no, not really, because it's a dynamic language. Like it could be so valid d- It d- depends code. on
0: how good you are with JavaScript and what you wrote. <laughs> but yes, no, you there's it's the wild, wild west, right?
2: Yeah, and yeah, so you just never really know and like, me as a developer, I have to verify like literally everything about either the changes that are made or that file that is working as expected, like every time that I save that. Um, But if you like incorporate like a TypeScript over that, it doesn't solve all your problems, but there's like some aspect of like, at least you're using your types correctly. And so maybe if you're worrying about a hundred things, maybe types being checked for you takes away like 15 or 20 of those things. And so it gives you a little helping hand to make sure that what you're writing is what you expect to be writing and like works correctly. And it'd be nice if, or you know, I think the goal, like the perfect programming language, would be allow you to like only care about business logic, and the compiler would help make sure anything that could go wrong, like you are like tracking that and making sure you're getting that correct.
0: No language is there, but but the but the progression of the .NET framework. Because I've been using it for a long time, is that they? I feel like they have progressively removed some of the need for boilerplate and -hmm. made some of that simpler. Yeah. And then with Visual Studio, like we were talking, right? It's it is looking out for you and it's catching obvious things and maybe even not so obvious things before you even you know finish saving the file. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I was looking at some of the stuff in the next version of Visual Studio. And when you're building out classes, it's actually using IntelliSense to, to basically suggest properties on those classes based on the class type or how you're building it. It's some crazy stuff.
2: Yeah, I've been yeah using some like AI auto suggest or maybe IntelliSense, I can't remember what their branding is. I've seen some demos, those look really cool. But I think like for me, those are definitely useful. But like from when they become like a language supported feature, Like, there's really no way around. Like, if it does not compile, like, you're forced to deal with that problem. Because I know for me, like, when it comes to null pointers, like, I know everything can be a null. But I'm like, I always forget that because I'm tracking other things. And so when the language introduces, like, a way to compile check, like, hey, this could be null. Like, make sure you don't forget that. Like, that just helps me as a programmer just make sure I'm not forgetting some of those simple things that I like, I know that should not, or I shouldn't forget, but I always do. Well, have you, have you guys turned on that, um,
1: that now reference checking thing from, um, is it C sharp eight now or C sharp seven? I don't um, know. it was a uh, optional thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've played around with that and it changes the way you think about like, like your classes, like, i prone to now, I will like create a constructor or anything because I want to guarantee that, like, this will not be null. And I don't have setters because mm. I don't want them to set things to be null. You almost really need to start over. You know, it'd be interesting
1: doing it on an, an, an old project, but I'm guessing you'd probably do it if, when you start a new project. Although
2: you can do it um, file by
1: file. So okay? you could probably do it one at a time.
2: Yeah, I've never, I haven't used it in a professional setting, but just on my own playing around, I've used it. And mm. I've always used autom- Automapper, just like, at work and in projects, and this makes me think like not using AutoMapper because oh, okay.
1: you have
2: to leave results open to potentially be null because you have to make everything have a getter and setter, and not
0: using the constructor
2: at least I think that's how I use AutoMapper.
0: Yeah, no, I I got you. Yeah, yeah, it's right. C sharp they have a suggested way of doing things, but then there's there's some gray area and a lot of flexibility. When it comes, one thing that comes to mind with me is uh, using the dynamic type, right? Because then you're you're basically saying, "I know what I'm doing. I have an idea of how this is going to go," and you're not going to get it compile time if you blow something up. Yeah, right. Which is the which is the the opposite direction that you're that you're talking. Yeah. Um, have you used dynamic types before? Just playing around, and I know
2: there's like specific use cases. Like I remember reading some about some Excel library that like couldn't use strong typing and like had to use a random keyboard keyword so yeah i definitely feel like there's times that require that but i think there's a difference between like using dynamic because i don't want to use the term like lazy but just like Mm, i just don't want to put the work into like oh right absolutely yeah
1: i think a lot of it's just the right tool for the right my job really like it's good it's good to have choices like i get what you're saying about trying to find as many um errors at design time as possible i guess um over runtime because runtime errors don't fail as you know gracefully as design time errors um but um yeah i mean you can see you can i can understand the popularity of, of, of a language like javascript you know like um the 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 barrier to, to entry is so low you know like anyone can just pick it up and yeah. start running with it and Sometimes your 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 program doesn't require you to, to do those checks. It's just like it's just easier and quicker to to just write all the stuff up and deal with it later kind of thing. And I think I talk to a lot of functional programmers, even though I have that much that much experience with it. Um, and I guess the idea I get from them is that like they can overcome a lot of the, um, the 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 features of the strongly typed languages by by doing a lot of testing. You know, like so they can they can. Yeah, so, so they they really focus on uh, unit testing. I think that's the whole pure function movement, I
2: guess. Being um, writing code that's really easy to test. Yeah, uh, and I think you bring up some good points. Like I use Python to just kind of hack together CSV files and like it's great. It's easy. I know for me, just like in a professional setting, if I'm like one of hundred developers working on code base, like mm. having a type system really like, am I gonna break everyone else's developer experience when they pull this down? Mm. Some of that fear, I just like, I don't know. Like there is no guarantee until you run it. And so I can't run everyone's file. I think even in, in a setting, um, something that's
1: really good is to pick a, like for me anyway, in my opinion, of picking a framework that's opinionated as well, like, like Angular. If you're, um, if you're working with a, with a big team, because then I guess everyone that works, but like with something like Angular, anyone that's ever worked on an Angular project should be able to just look at a, another Angular project mm-hmm. and just have a, Pretty good understanding of how how it works, pretty much straight away. And there's yeah. conventions that everyone knows. So yeah, that's, that's not just angular, it's not as angular as like even like something like the MVC and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's everyone, it, there's that universal pattern that everyone uses. So. Mm-hmm. Is
0: your, does your your team use any formatters or liners or anything like StyleCop or whatever to to make sure that that you're all your your development all follows the same pattern? So
2: we have something in Visual Studio that like, will auto-format code some of the times. And it's pretty good, but like, there's some that just aren't formatted. I don't know if people haven't touched the file in a while or they just don't want to format it for whatever reason. Um, but I do work a little bit in a React um, code base. And they have like a linter's connected in hooks. Gotcha. And so like right. literally like anytime a code is checked into source control, like it automatically styles it. And I found that like very seamless and I love that feature. And I could probably set that up in C-sharp if I spent enough time doing that, but not made that time investment at the moment.
0: It's definitely one of those things that it's worth spending the time to do, but you don't necessarily have the time, especially when you're in the middle of a project. Yeah. And then, um, I've run into stuff where right one of my coworkers uses a Mac and I use windows, and then you get the control return line feed differences between the two, even if you've set them up correctly and get all that stuff factors in but that but that's that's not a c sharp thing that's more of just uh, patterns and practices within your team thing yeah um, what are some of the things that you like most about c sharp?
2: yeah, so one of the things that like I think I use every day, and is a feature that other languages are copying is like C Sharp's async await functionality, keywords. I guess coming from a Java background, like I'd written some callbacks at once or twice, and like it was not fun and a pain. But like C Sharp as a language, like we're going to solve that problem for you, and we're going to allow you to use it in a way that basically you don't mentally have to like, oh, I'm now doing async programming here. Like I'm writing in a synchronous nature because I just call a method and then it returns to me at some point. So I feel like that is like one of the most useful features in C Sharp right now is because I I want to write high performing like web applications and like writing synchronous code is like one of the easiest ways not to get that. And like the compiler, like checks me every single time, Uh, like making sure I use that correctly and making sure that I don't mess that up.
0: Yeah, one of the I think we've I think we've done an episode where we basically focused on asynchronous code in C sharp. And they definitely they make it they make it very easy, even to the point where you can use it and it not really work. And they just it just keeps on going. One of the things that that I run into every time I do asynchronous programming in C sharp is the debugging process, right? And especially if you're you're using it a lot. Right, you're gonna it's gonna be jumping around because, like you said, you know, it's not it's not waiting on it to come back, it'll come back when it's ready, kind of thing. Which I, I'll, you know, she you may hit that same breakpoint, you know, five times <laughs> and then you get what you actually need. But yeah, it's definitely one of those features where they've they've simplified it, uh, similar to what I was talking about earlier. Uh, for instance, with ado.net, right, you don't have to do that boilerplate anymore, you have entity framework and link, right. And and they obfuscate that stuff away, and let you focus more on the business logic than the boilerplate. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. One of the other things I really like that I haven't really played around as much is like the span and memory types: span of T, memory of T. You know, when you think of C sharp or like a garbage, I don't know, you don't have to manage memory yourself. Garbage collection, garbage collection. Yeah, when you think of C sharp and Java you know, garbage-collected language. You're like, well, you just can't get memory, can't get the performance that you like you need. But I don't know if it was .NET Core 2.1, one of those, like, they introduced, like, the span of T, memory of T, and it basically gives you access to memory in a way that the compiler will, like, check it and make sure you're not really abusing it as much. You know, C Sharp used to be able to, like, use the unsafe keyword and then you could do whatever you wanted in memory, but like the compiler is just like hands off. It's hopefully you don't screw it up. I'm not, I'm not I'm not like deep into that, those features and you can probably mess it up as well. But just like some of the big important important big performance some of the big performance improvements with like the .NET Core web API comes from like some of those libraries, those are base libraries using those types to really simplify and improve performance.
0: I think them making the decision to start over with .NET Core was, was I mean, that was a big deal, of course, on their end, but I think it was the right decision. And it's definitely um, provided tons of improvements for the framework as a whole. Um, do you see that that from the... The .NET framework to .NET Core, um, you've had improvements in your your work and your speed and, and how you you write C sharp.
2: Yeah, I definitely enjoy the more opinionated nature of like dependency injection with .NET Core uh, versus like um, the framework app. I've kind of observed like Twitter world for a little bit, kind of as .NET Core was rolling out. I like seen some graphs of like framework performance and then like, it just like drops when they introduce like their .NET core API when they migrate over. Um, and it's like pretty starking just how much improvement they've like gotten out of that. Like for a for like a framework, a .NET framework that was developed for like 20 years and they switched over and they're still getting like pretty significant performance gains out of it. It's like pretty remarkable. And I think Stephen Tubb from the .NET team, like every major release he like produced he writes some big long write-ups like here's some performance gains, and they're still like oh this was 40% faster on .NET 3.1 than it was on .NET 2.2, and so like yeah it's been it hasn't really impacted me day to day too much just because I don't do a lot of performance just on my local machine, but definitely like in the world of servers like it's decreased the resources we need to run the same stuff.
0: I've been so used to pulling in System.Web. In .NET Framework because you you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's no longer the case with .NET Core, right? Um, so, yeah,
2: I I've, yeah I mainly do .NET Core in my job, and every once in a while I have to do move back over to .NET Framework, and I'm like, oh, how did this work again? Um, definitely like on the younger side, but yeah, I did Framework for the first three ish years when I was in.NET. .NET, um, and I definitely enjoyed Core more.
0: Why did you have any questions or do we want to go to the other languages section?
1: Maybe the other languages section. Yeah. Okay. Sounds interesting.
0: Okay. So yeah. So something else, right. You mentioned F sharp and you mentioned some of the benefits that come with different languages. What are some other languages that you like and some of the features that you like in those languages?
2: Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, like, if you're talking .NET, I think most people would think like C sharp, um, but Microsoft does have a functional programming language that targets the .NET framework or .NET ecosystem, like F sharp. Um, I think sometimes I wish it get a little more love from Microsoft, um, but yeah, it's a functional languages. It's a functional language, and I think most people who use those would say they're just a little easier to do a little more checking for you. Um, I don't know if you're aware, like what an option type is, but basically in C sharp, like you can return an object and, you know, that object can always be null, but that's never explicitly stated like in the language or in your return type. It's just an object and like you're supposed to know like, oh yeah, this can also be null. But in like F sharp and option type, an option type is basically either it can be a type or it could be nothing or none. Um, Hmm. so it forces you to deal with the fact that it's not always that object, it can be null. Um, So basically, like, little things like that, that, like, your code won't compile unless you handle that none case. So to prevent, like, null pointer exceptions, union types I really enjoy, which are basically kind of enums. Functional purists would probably not call them that, but I'm calling them that. But they just have a lot of more compiler support and usage. So you can create a switch statement with an enum and the compiler will force you to handle every case. So if you like, if you have five enum values and then like, oh, let's add a six one, and then you forgot to update it in a couple of places in your code and like C sharp, and then something's running, how you not expect it to against like C sharp and F sharp, you'll get a compiler error saying like, oh, this switch statement does not have your six enum case, like you need to add it. So it just has, like, some of those niceties that take away some of, like, the problems, I feel like, that I experience on a day-to-day basis just working in, like, an object-oriented language such as C Sharp. And F Sharp has, like, a UI framework called Elmish, which is based on a language and framework called Elm. But it's basically, like, our paradigm is called MVU, Model View Update. Um, it's basically like compile time checking that your UI app works as expected. So just a little analogy, like if you guys ever written like front end framework where you know, you're like, when you make, click on this button, it like fires a JavaScript event and you have like handlers that are waiting or listeners that are waiting for those events. And so that's all like implicit. Like I know that when I click on this, it'll fire this event. I know you have some code over here that will listen for it. But if you got the wrong listener or it's not referenced, like you have to go manually check and see if everything's working. But in Elmish and, and in Elm, like those they call them messages are like baked into the like your programming language. And so when you click on a button, it generates a message and you have to handle that message in your update statement. And so it are. I've had people talk about their experiences in that language of like, you get it to compile and it's pretty much a guarantee that it'll work as expected, like 100% of the time. And so I've really enjoyed like working in that framework because I think it just takes away and solves a lot of the problems that I just encounter on a day-to-day basis. And Elm kind of started this pattern. It's pretty popular. And there's a company, I think, No Red NoRedInk that uses that. And they said they went years without a production exception in their Elm code, which is like pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, it definitely sounds like if if it can compile, you can almost guarantee it's going to do what it's supposed to do. That's a, that's a positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rust is another one, right? And I have never used Rust. But my understanding is it's a very popular language. Yeah. Do you have any experience with it?
2: I have played around with it, so now enough to know that it's hard to kind of wrap your brain around that. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty popular. It's shown up, I think, number one on like the Stack Overflow most loved languages for the last couple of years on their yearly Stack Overflow survey. But the thing that I think is pretty revolutionary about Rust is it basically has compile time checking on your memory usage. Like they have like, are in their language, like they have like the borrower and couple other concepts and I'm forgetting. But basically, if it compiles, like you pretty much guaranteed that you will not have any memory problems with your code. And it's targeted like to systems programming, kind of like the C, C++ niche. But it solves a lot of the memory problems or vulnerabilities that occur in like a C or C++ code base because people just kind of forget and they lose track of memory themselves. But Rust is definitely like, you have to take time to change the way you think about code and memory usage and ownership. Like only one, I guess I'm not a Rust programming, but yeah, I would love to like have three weeks to actually like program that for program in Rust for a while, but that kind of time. And we all, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So something else that you've you've been dealing with, and I think. A lot of us deal with is pain in your hands or wrists or fingers. A lot of people have carpal tunnel. I know that when my wrist starts bothering me, I wear uh, wrist guards or wrist wraps. But you, you've been dealing with that fairly significantly recently, and you've you found a couple of ways of working around it. Can you tell us about it?
2: Yeah, I guess for me, I just always thought like it'd be a programmer. I love. Type on the keyboard. I love programming. But about 10 months ago, like I just started having some small pain in my hands. And that kind of gradually built over a couple months until I got like pretty painful. Had to take some time off work, kind of questioning of like, am I going to program again? Am I going to have to get a new job? Um, So definitely like those were not some fun months. But kind of in that search, uh, I found a language or I don't know how you'd actually describe. It's not a language. More like a framework but basically like a code by voice system. And so it's called Talon or Talon Voice. Basically, like there are shortcuts, like a a mouse click is like a, like that's a mouse click in Talon. And so you can like set up, there's some simple ones you can do that. But basically it's just a text to, or a voice to text translation system. Um, And so I've kind of been on this this edge or this line of like, sometimes my hands feel good, sometimes they don't. So I've never, like, I, like, can only program by talent voice or only program by voice. But there's definitely people that have done that and have been able to work just using their voice, which I find is, like, pretty remarkable. And I definitely know, like, it's helpful to know there's another path there if, like, hand pain doesn't really work out and doesn't really allow me to get back to work as I would like to do. Oh, I, like I mean, move this, um working
1: from home era that probably makes it more like easier. Like if, if you did that in the office, you might kind of start annoying people after a while, but, but yeah, I think it's really good. I might have to check it out. Like um, I, I probably wouldn't use it just completely, but um, I think it'd be kind of cool to just kind of, if you have a couple of shortcut words, you can just kind of go, like you just say it and then it immediately does something.
2: Mm. Yeah. Like you can, yeah, you can target like a specific app, like in the context of this app, I want yeah a particular word or a particular phrase to like do a couple actions. Mm. So, yeah, I, yeah, I would find it useful or I always think I should do this, but I haven't yet. But Just like, yeah, any apps that I use like shortcuts that I have to do a couple of button clicks. Like I could create a voice shortcut for that mm. um, and I could just say something and it does it all automatically. Yeah. But I guess I we can include a, like a conference talk by like someone in that community that, uh, it's called Pearl Out Loud is the name of her talk. Like her just kind of talking about her journey and also doing a demo. Uh, but she says she like programs on her couch and like programs laying down. She just has a TV because like it's all voice. There's like no need to have a keyboard. have you sure. thought about um like, is it, is it the
1: typing that it hurts or is it the, the mouse? Because a lot of people, like this is a very common thing that you're experiencing to be honest. Yeah. And a lot of people actually, um, you know, they might switch their mouse
2: hand around and things like that. Yeah, it's both. Yeah, I've like changed keyboards, changed mouse, got a standing mm-hmm. desk. Yeah, I, yeah, I've been, it's been an ordeal. And maybe I know what it is. Maybe it might take some while to find out, but like, it's kind of one of those things where I've been to, I don't know, six, seven doctors, and they've all like had some ideas that I like, haven't really worked out. Gotcha. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know.
0: But it's yeah. It's one of those things where you just got to kind of keep trying to find the right ergonomics for you right i changed my mouse to a trackball that actually is up and down so my things like this all day yeah. and it, yeah horizontal yeah right because people can't see me thank you more <laughs> <laughs> and um and it's made a difference right so it's stuff like that even if it seems like it's a small thing you know it's worth trying things out and seeing if it if it helps with issue because like why I said this is this is very common especially for in the development community so
1: yeah um, yeah I think we have a tendency to just just work and work and work and work and, and just forget to get up and do stuff as well and that's probably what kind of contributes to it I think
2: yeah and there's also just the it never hurt before so I don't really care hmm. about what like position I'm in and then like
0: oh this actually yeah. is important to me mm. You know my my Fitbit reminds me every hour if I haven't gotten up and walked 250 steps. But
1: do you actually <laughs> listen to it? Like, <laughs> no, I don't. Like but I, I'll just I don't, <laughs> I don't listen minutes. to it every hour,
0: but but the reminder is good, right? Because yeah. it's like, hey, you know you're 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 sedentary, right? Which that that's that's a big part of our lifestyle. I get that, right? But even my wife and I have have talked at home she stays seated for longer periods of time when she's writing articles than when she's in the office. Because when she's in the office, she's up more. She may go talk with someone. She may go get a cup of coffee. And, and she's running to, she's right, with pain and swelling in her feet because she's sitting for longer periods of time. So it's just one of those things, those, those reminders, even if you don't follow them every time, can, mm. can be helpful. Yeah.
1: So I think um, a colleague actually had a program which um, instead of just reminding you, it literally locks you out of the system for like 30 seconds. <laughs> like, um, and you're supposed to do these exercises in that time. So that's oh my going the hardcore that would way. Be <laughs> nuts. Yeah. yeah. i like, team's call and just like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in 30 seconds. <laughs> there you yeah. go. There One go. of the things I've done lately is just I focus on like drinking a gallon of water every day. And so I feel like mm. I have to go to the bathroom like every hour. Um, <laughs> so it's a biological clock. But that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good tip, I say. Yeah.
0: So, Morgan, is there is there anything else you wanted to discuss or anything else you think people should know about compile-driven development in, in C Sharp?
2: Stay tuned because, you know, C Sharp is changing fast. That's one of the things I like about it. Yes, um, yes it is. And I guess C Sharp 9 is coming out. Sorry, I think C Sharp 10 is coming out with .NET 6.0. In November, so I'm excited about that. And I think C Sharp 9 brought record types, if I'm right. remembering that correctly. Yep. And I haven't really looked up what C Sharp 10 is bringing, but I feel like every language or every language release, they deliver some functionality that's like, oh, I can see myself using that, and that could solve a problem for me.
0: I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to, and it's not necessarily C Sharp uh, specific, is the hot reload stuff um, yes especially with the work i'm going to be doing with blazer in the near future it's going to make uh lives a whole lot easier
2: yeah that is one thing i like about javascript and react is like hot reload that i am really excited to come into uh, the NET world
0: all right well if there's a, if there's nothing else then i guess we'll we'll move on to pix why What's your what's your pick for this week?
1: Okay, so this week I thought I'd, I'd do my pick to be the game that I was playing with my friend last night. It's called Overcooked. I'm not sure if you've oh, heard of yeah. it, but you yes. it? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of it because you're big well, into
0: gaming. It's it is good game, but it is hard to play with a five year old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's hard to play with like another like ish year old. Yeah. You know, like um, <laughs> it, like it was just it's just one of those games where like yeah, I think the, the whole the whole thing that you have to, it's, it's, you have to, it has to be like a multiplayer game and yeah, you're both like a cook in a kitchen and you get to kind of like communicate to figure out how to cook like the right meal. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's kind of frustrating after a while because maybe it's basically cause I'm terrible at the game and um, he's, well, it's, well, it's like
0: <laughs> who's cleaning the dishes and wait i need more onions oh and the 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 pot is boiling over oh no get the extinguisher <laughs> right and if there's if there's only two of you it gets really hectic really quick i,
1: I think um what we need is actually a third player to just be yeah. not even playing just to tell us
2: what what to actually do right
0: okay to navigate that person
2: yeah it's yeah. also yeah. like an earthquake happened and like split the kitchen in half. Right? Those are like oh, right.
1: Did that happen? I, I haven't got to that yes. point. Yet, but, like, so
2: yeah, like, so.
1: And, there's,
0: and there's also one where you're on a ship and every f- thirty seconds or so, the waves actually move all the tables from one end of the ship to the other, and you get pushed and you have to walk around. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little crazy. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: but cool. All right, so. My pick this week, maybe is a little unorthodox. Today is my last day working at CDIT Solutions, and it's a consulting firm that does development in a number of different languages frameworks. Been a, honestly, it's been a really great company to work for. Good people, smart people, really good owner, lots of nice benefits, extra perks. I've enjoyed uh, working there. I am taking a position as a software architect with another company. I mean, that's the reason why I'm leaving. But I wanted CDIT Solutions to be my pick this week because they are a really good company to work for, and they are currently hiring some .NET developers and iOS developers in a number of different different areas. So if you are a developer looking for a good place to work, uh, CDIT Solutions is it. All right, Morgan, what about you?
2: Yeah, for my pick this week, uh, I'm going to pick a YouTube channel called not just bikes okay i've like kind of been interested in like city planning and how to create a city that's more livable and just more fun to live in and i guess the guy who runs this channel uh, lives in amsterdam Um, so he just kind of talks about city design things that amsterdam does well things that america and canada do not do well i'm like oh yeah that's not the best idea (laughs) <laughs> but I I enjoy that. I think it's fun. I, well, I, I mean, Amsterdam, but they're really big into
1: like riding there, right? Because the whole city's flat and everyone rides it. That sounds like
2: that sounds also awesome, you know, like, like, a, like a city like that. Yeah, they've invested a lot in infrastructure the last 30 mm-hmm. years of like you want to help make non car ways of being around the city able mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah. like prioritize those. So I see it's kind of remarkable just like to see a city very different than like anything i've seen in america we're very car centric
1: yes yeah yeah same with the city I, I live in actually you, i think it's just yeah this is the design of the city but it's also the like i think it's just really gilly where i am so you, you can't really ride very far to be honest like no. um i mean you could like but it's just for the regular person you couldn't just ride more than like you know, five kilometers or whatever because you'd be riding up hills and things like that um but yeah the traffic and all that stuff can be can be dangerous as well so
0: yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I um I just drove over the back and forth over the high rise here in New Orleans, and if you're not from New Orleans, you won't understand. But it's you're taking your life in your hands every time you go over this bridge. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Morgan, if people want to get in touch with you or reach out, what's the best way for them to contact you?
2: Yeah. So the best way would be my uh, LinkedIn account, uh, LinkedIn.com/slash
0: Morgan Space Kenyon.
2: Sorry. Morgan dash Kenyon. Cool. That's the thing I monitor the most. I have a Twitter account, yeah. but I blocked it on my phone because I spent way too much time on there.
0: So. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Cool. And if um, anyone wants to get in touch with with me, you can find me on Twitter at Caleb Wells Coach. All right. Well, Morgan, thank you again for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Sure. Nice being both of you. Know. And uh, we'll see y'all on the next episode of in.net.